Please stand if you are able and join us as the scripture reading today from John 10, verses 1 through 10 is read. Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in by another way is a thief and bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They do not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know, know the voice of the strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out to find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is the word of God for the people of God. My poem this morning comes from Kate Bowler's book, The Lives We Actually Have, and this is entitled, For When You Need Permission to Change. Blessed are you, dear one, when the world around you has changed. Everything is different now. Your body, your age, your relationships, your job, your faith. The things that once brought you joy, the people you loved and trusted and relied on, the way you exist in the world. Things have changed, and it would be silly to imagine you haven't been altered along with them. You are not who you once were. Bless that old self. They did such a great job with what they knew. They made you who you were, all the mistakes and heartbreak and naivety and courage. And blessed are you who you are now. You who aren't pretending things are the same. You who continue to grow and stretch and show up to your life as it really is, wholehearted, vulnerable, and maybe a tiny bit afraid. Blessed are you the changed. So you know I rarely use notes. So when I do, you know it's important, right? So I had a workshop this week with Rebecca Simon-Peter. And she wrote, has also written a book that we did not have as part of our workshop. But the other book was called Dream Like Jesus. 
And she spent a little time talking about that because she said those of us in a post-pandemic world are afraid to dream a different way. So she said there are five different factors involved in dreaming like Jesus. The first is that he expands the assumptions about what might be possible. We think that we can't do something because we haven't done it before. Or we did try it 1,744 years ago, and we're not going to do it again because it didn't work then. Why would we try now? When we dream like Jesus, we do what is very common in the Hebrew scriptures when Jews are studying, they very often will look at a midrash. A what if? What if this happened? Or what if that happened? And they can change the story, and very often you will find rabbis sitting around, and that's how they study scripture, is by adding this, well, what if it didn't work out just that way? What if, it, what if this happened? Or what if somebody else showed up? We, in the 21st century church, have decided that since we don't know where we're going, and we don't know what the future looks like, we're not going to do anything. We're just going to sit and wait and see. Wait and see what happens. And when we wait to see what happens, very often we find ourselves slipping into what I love to refer to as malaise, which is one of my favorite words. I love the word malaise, because it really sounds like what it is. It's like, oh, I don't know, just a bunch of... So churches very often will err on the side of going too small. We don't want to think big because the pandemic has taught us that things are smaller and different. And if we dream big dreams, oh my goodness, are we shooting ourselves in the foot? Is this a good thing or a bad thing? Have we done something wrong? We dare step out? So we need to change our assumptions and expand them. When we dream like Jesus, our ideas become bigger than you are. That's you plural. If we dream like Jesus, our ideas can be massive. We can think, what about this kind of thing? One of the things that has been talked about here, and it's only an idea, nothing is cast in stone, it's an idea, that maybe on this property we could build cottages for transitional housing for people that are here with Family Promise. Oh, what an idea! But it's an idea that's bigger than anything you've ever done in the past. That big? Do we dare? Hmm. Dreams truly should not fit on your to-do list. If it fits on your to-do list, it's not a dream. A dream is something that is out there that we need to play with. A dream isn't a reality until you play with it for a while. 
So ideas that scare you and are risky are the good kinds of dreams to have. Without fear, there's no need for God. If you're not a little bit afraid of a dream, there's no need for God. So Rebecca Simon Peter shared five different acronyms for fear, all of which I really like. Future events already ruined. <laughs> That's church for you. False evidence appearing real. Forgetting everything's all right. Flee everything and run. Or face everything and rise. So when we think about fear, we think that it's not a normal thing, that if, so, if we're afraid of something that we're going to do or something that needs to be done or a dream, if it makes us a little bit scared, we think, well, it must be wrong. But that's not true. If we're a little bit scared, it might mean this is exactly what we should be doing. This is exactly where we need to go. A little bit scared is motivation. A little bit scared can also hold you hostage. But if you've got a group of people who are willing to work and dream moving in one direction, then you learn that it's okay to have some doubts and a little bit of fear. A dream that is a dream like Jesus would dream is focused on the growth of the kingdom, beloved community, the new reign, not the survival of the institution. Every single time somebody says, if we do this thing, will that put more butts in the pew? Will we get more people in here? That's not the point of church, to fill it up and do nothing. The point of church is to get out and take Jesus into the world. So we need to move ourselves into a place where we're not worried about survival, but worried about the word of God being taken out. It's a distinction between church improvement and renewal and functioning at the highest level possible. Dreaming like Jesus inspires and unifies people. We don't need consensus, but we do need unity. We need to be able to hear one another, hear your concerns, hear your fears, but continue to look for the ways that we can be church. Jesus was very, very quick to share his power, and we need to be as well. Jesus sent disciples out. When we dream like Jesus, we have a say in our own future, and we become disciples. The end of my notes. You have no idea how fast I was writing. It was awesome. But when we look at Jesus the shepherd, we see Jesus as the shepherd sort of bringing people along carefully. But if you read the scripture carefully, it says that Jesus says that he leads 
the sheep, and the sheep just follow. I think that's awesome, but if you've ever worked with sheep, sheep are dumb as dumb can be. They are dumb as a box of rocks. They are, they are definitely followers, but they are not at all immune to distractions. They get off onto little tangents. I'm a Welsh person. Oh, what it means to herd sheep. If you've ever been to Wales, there's more sheep there than there are blades of grass. So being someone who understands sheep, who has friends who raise sheep, and who has watched sheep wander off, totally oblivious to the whole world, and fall in a hole. This, my friends, is why we need sheepdogs. And I had told you early on in my time that Jesus is the good shepherd. I am a sheepdog. And a sheepdog will nip at your heels and take a chunk out of your hindquarters if need be. So when I've developed this reputation as the scolding pastor, I wear that proudly. And when I see you saying, well, we can't, and I hear the resistance to doing something you've never done before, I'm perfectly content to nip at you a little bit. Actually, I rather enjoy nipping at you a little bit. It makes me feel like I'm accomplishing something. It makes me feel like life is worth living. So this whole idea of the shepherd being the voice that the people hear has credibility, but it's the sheepdog that keeps them moving in the direction they're supposed to go. My daughter had a sheepdog for a while, and it wasn't doing any kind of herding, except with kids. And it was really interesting to watch that dog round up the kids in the yard. Nobody left the yard unless there was a grown-up there. The kids couldn't wander into the road. They couldn't wander into the woods. The sheepdog kept them where they were supposed to be. It was remarkable. And when Paxton got a little bit older, and the kids were in school and he was a little bored, my daughter took him to where she works, and at that time she was working with mentally ill adolescents and children, and Paxton would go to work with her, and she could put those kids outside to play, and nobody left the playground, because Paxton would keep them all where they belonged. And Paxton would chase a ball all day long until his paws were raw, because that was his job. Being your sheepdog has been a privilege for me. And I do feel sometimes like I'm herding sheep here, because everybody's off in their own little area, doing their own little thing, and thinking that that's the only thing that the church should be doing. 
pieces can come together very completely. The herd doesn't take off and go. where the shepherd wants them to go. So if Jesus wants this church to grow, Jesus will make it grow. You will do the work. Your sheepdog will do the work. But you have to be compliant. I have been with sheep where they decide they're going to lay down. You get one or two in a herd of sheep that decide they're going to lay down. And everything stops because you've got a couple of sheep that are laying down. Churches are full of laying down sheep. Not going to do it. You're not going to make me. You're not going to push me. You're not going to bite me. I'm not doing it. And that's that. And meanwhile, everybody else stops and looks. And sometimes it takes another sheep to get over there and Come on, get up, we got to move. There's not enough grass here, we need to go. We need to really look at what it means to be a sheep herder and what it means to be a sheep dog and what it means to dream like Jesus. We can be afraid a couple of weeks ago, somebody asked me, what are we supposed to do and are you going to tell us? And I have to be honest with you that I've never been through a pandemic before and I've never come out of a pandemic and I don't have any idea what the future holds for you. And I'm sure that if I had a plan, God would change that. God has changed every plan I've ever had. So there's no point in me making a plan for you. There's no point in me telling you that there are five simple things that you need to do, and if you follow those five things, you're going to be perfect. It's not how it works. The church does not belong to me, and the church will not belong to Pastor Lori. And I know it's going to come as a big surprise to you, but the church doesn't belong to you either. The church belongs to God. And God will see to it that God's purpose is fulfilled with you on board or in spite of you. Your job now is to somehow align your dreams with what God has in mind for you. And not to be afraid of dreaming something that is totally outside the box. Trust me, when I went to Sunday, I didn't even have any intention of becoming a pastor. And if anybody had ever told me that I was going to live four and a half hours away from my home, so that I could be here with you, I would have told them you, they were crazy. But I've learned through my ministry that when God calls, I can hedge a little bit, but I better be willing to go where God calls. And when God calls this church to do something, 
you'd better be ready to do whatever it is that God is calling you to do. It's not multiple choice, and it's not an either or. When God makes it very clear what you're supposed to do, you'd better get moving and do it. This has been a delightful place to spend time. This has been a great place for me to learn more about what it means to be church. This has been a wonderful bunch of people to get to know, and I love you dearly. But you've got to get the lead out, folks. You've absolutely got to get the lead out. You are stuck, and I'm hoping that Pastor Lori has investments in dynamite because that is what you're going to need to get you up and moving. Cattle prods are perfect. And I hope that I live long enough to see you succeed in dreaming God-sized dreams and dreaming just like Jesus would dream. May it be so. Amen.